0: Hi there, it's Nick here. Thanks so much for your continued support of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Wherever you consume your podcast, it is great to have you with us. I would alert you again to the racing app, which is your one-stop shop and the easiest place now to download the show each and every morning as soon as it's ready. Many of you are doing so already and that's not just because you can get Access to all 880 episodes of this show and very easily as well. But you can also watch live races, you can watch all the replays, and you can stream in the card with an active Fitstairs account. So do download it now at the Racing app, it's your one stop shop, and you will be able to catch up on all the previous episodes of your favorite daily racing podcast. <music> morning, welcome to the show, bright and early here in TW11 today, light just coming up on Wednesday the 17th of January, speaking to you amidst general chaos this morning, uh, weather is causing havoc with racing around the country as well, Newbury has been abandoned today, Wincanton later in the week as well, Ludlow is frozen at the moment, we are awaiting news any second now of Lingfield Friday, the first day of the Winter Millions, though later in the weekend looks a little bit better. Big clash between El Fabiolo and John Bon, set for Ascot Saturday, got down to minus six earlier in the week. Here's Chris Stickles, clerk of the course at Ascot, with his latest update.
1: Well, we're at minus two overnight, but there is still some frost under the covers, particularly under the shadow of the grandstand and in some of the... Um landings and takeoffs in the kind of shaded areas around the steeplechase fences but it is slightly better than it was this time yesterday. Um, However the forecast does indicate you know a couple of more severe frosts certainly over the next couple of nights minus three or minus four tonight and Thursday night and at the moment Friday night is also a bit difficult to forecast just because of this just because of this conflicting kind of situation with regards to whether it's not, it's going to freeze Friday night or 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 not. I mean, certainly if the frost gets into the ground, you know, the next couple of nights severely, then it then it's going to be it's going to be quite a challenge.
0: Okay, so it's to the wire would be my summary of that.
1: I yeah, I think I think I think that's correct. Really, I, I mean, you know, maybe a little more straightforward if it is really really cold in the next two nights and that frost so severely in there on on friday that the 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 situation becomes hopeless but it's at this stage it's difficult to read and you know we're having some hope with regards to the to to the to the milder conditions hopefully arriving in time
0: all right so not massively optimistic from ascot but hopeful nonetheless what about up at haydock Uh, kirkland Tellwrights, the clerk there kirkland what's the latest
1: i would say we're a shade less optimistic than that we had a minus three last night um, we forecast another cold night tonight, and then there is improvement. It then it depends a bit who you go with, but my suspicion is that the improvement will come too late to clear the frost that's in the ground.
0: Okay, when do you anticipate making a making a call on it?
1: Well, as soon as we can be confident of making the right call. If, if it becomes obvious that we're beaten, we'll immediately say so. Um, but with the forecast in train, we wouldn't want to jump too soon. So it's just possible we'll run it down to Saturday morning.
0: All right, here's Jason Moore at Taunton there. Big day on Saturday.
2: Yesterday, I thought we were 50-50. Um, we had a little bit more of a frost last night than was forecast. Um, we would be unraceable right now. And it's a question of how much it improves tonight and then how quick it goes back, which it will go, it'll freeze hard again tonight. I think one starts to feel less optimistic as the as the, the sort of race day approaches. I, I'm, yeah. We're, we're still in with the show and we'll see where we are tomorrow, tomorrow morning is where, I've, where I'm sort of, what I'm thinking. Um, whether we then, we'd obviously have an inspection, whether that's Thursday afternoon or Friday, you know, depends on how hard, again, it's going to be Thursday night.
0: All right, brilliant. All right, that was Jason Loosemore at Taunton, and I have spoken to the clerk of the course, uh, Stephanie Weathered at at Lingfield, and she tells me that uh, Friday's meeting is off. You'll probably know that already. So the first bit of that winter million is off. Uh, Sunday, much more hopeful, much more hopeful for Sunday at this stage. But obviously, again, that's contingent on temperatures warming up. We're only on Wednesday now. Okay, so that's your weather update as far as we can bring it to you. I think Ascot's going to be to the wire by the sounds of what, what Chris Dickles was saying. Uh, Jane Mangan is with me today. And I suppose the key question, Jane, is what sort of Clarence House chase do we have if it gets um, bunted down the road to, to Cheltenham next Saturday, which of course is what has happened several times in the past, including last year, of course, when Editor Najib beat Edward Stone and, and an argument was a rather disappointing third.
3: It seems as though Willie Mullins has indicated he's not going to travel if the Clarence House isn't run as scheduled. So I think if the race is moved to the following week, it'll reopen and you'll have a completely different race. And I'd imagine if El Fabiolo isn't in it, you might have more than four entries. It would be a shame to miss what it looks like it's going to be, it's essentially a match. Um, But listening to Chris Dickles, I I'd be very much more hopeful than confident and it's not getting any warmer certainly not here nick what's it like with you in well, london we are,
0: we are forecast to warm up it got it was very cold last night and even colder the night before but um you know i think it's the it's the frost that got in the night before last when it got down to about minus six that's the that's the issue and it's just a question of the extent to which it warms up in time but i think over the weekend it's a forecast forecast warm-up sufficiently that i think sunday is looking is looking pretty good I can't imagine what kind of a nightmare this cold weather must be for trainers trying to figure out how to keep their horses ticking over, which races they're going to run in, playing weather roulette. You can just hear Gavin Cromwell on the line to me now. You can hear the horses working past him at his base in Ireland, uh, looking to bring a bunch of horses to Lingfield Friday, Sunday. Um, Gavin, how do you play this now as we speak first thing Wednesday morning?
4: Uh, well, listen. There's a, an inspection at ten thirty this morning, so hopefully that's going to enlighten us more. Um, I'd say, if looking at the forecast, from, I would imagine Sunday will be fine, but um, obviously Friday is doubtful. Um, we plan to get on a boat. The three o'clock to boat today, so um, hopefully we'll know a little bit more this morning.
0: Um, would you break, would you take all the Sunday horses with the would you have taken the Sunday horses with the Friday horses anyway? Would they all have gone on one journey? So they're going today come what may if they if, if Sunday's got half a half a chance.
4: Yeah, de- yeah, they def- definitely will. And um sure listen, if we if there's some kind of a call on, on Friday and it's not going ahead, we'll you know, we'll shuffle things around and we'll we'll just stay in for Sunday.
0: And, and you you've been to this meeting before with with high profile horses. Um, how does it fit nicely for you? What was it about it that you thought, ah, that could be a nice nice one to target?
4: Well, look, it's, there's obviously we've the Dublin Racing Festival coming up in a few weeks' time. But um, you know, if you do go here, you've you've, you've lots of time from here to Cheltenham. Um, listen, they're not all going to be going to the festival either. But um, there's great great money um, on offer and. Definitely um, we'll love
0: to take a piece of it. Uh, and I suppose um, you've got the you've got the issue with a horse like only by night. You've got also in the in the Rossington main at Haydock on Saturday, which looks which looks very unlikely. So would Lingfield be the more obvious target for for that horse? You've got in a she you've got her in a, a just a nice mare's novice hurdle, but a very valuable mare's novice hurdle, and she's on a she's on a four timer.
4: Yeah. um it would be it would be nice to it's a pity that um declarations are for Saturday first and and the, you know, it's maybe unlikely to go ahead, but um um it might actually Saturday's race might actually look a slightly easier race, so um that's a hard one to play, but um I'd <laughs> say we'll probably end up just having to go aim for Sunday. Mm,
0: yeah, exactly. You gotta just gotta get a run under a
4: belt. Yeah, absolutely. Well listen, if she doesn't go to either of these, she can go to the Salerina and
0: Alright, how how good do you think she is?
4: Uh, well, listen, she's unbeaten for us so far, and, and uh, we do like her a lot. So um, we'll see how it plays out, but I think she is quite good.
0: Uh, and do you think she's capable of mixing it with geldings in graded company? I suppose is the is the key.
4: I don't see why not. Um, her work is very solid, solid at home here, and with her mare's alone, she 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 absolutely could.
0: And and a a a, a bang two miler for the moment, or are you are you itching to get her up in in, in distance?
4: I'm not in a hurry to get her up in distance, um, but I think she will stay plenty further as well.
0: You've got Limerick Lace in the Fleur de Lis on Sunday. Horse you trained for for J.P. McManus who's had a terrific season as well. I mean, has really seems to have have taken her her game to a to a to a new level. Um, is that the way you look at it, or is this just the progression you were expecting?
4: Um, I'm not surprised at the progression. She's she's a gorgeous big mare. A um, uh, couple of little issues with her last year, and and you know she seems to ironed them out, and and um, she uh, she could 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 progress more, please God
0: yeah and she's she's only four to one for the Mrs paddy power at the uh, at the festival at the moment do you see her having alternative targets to that or is that just the obvious one and you play back from there
4: listen. I think she's she's well entitled to 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 go for it, and um, it's definitely the plan at the moment.
0: What I love about you, Gavin, is you never get hide bound by what a horse's distance requirement ought to be. You're quite happy to mix and match a little bit. That's been the case with her. You found the opportunities. If you were to design a perfect race for her, what would it be?
4: Um, I'd say trip wise, anywhere from two and a half upwards. Um. She could even potentially be an Irish national horse.
0: I, I, so she, she'd stay plenty far, further. Okay, well, here's an interesting question for you. I, I I know there's an awful lot of water to go under the bridge between now and the back end of next year, but I was having a little look at this yesterday and I put a thing on on, on X on Twitter saying that since since Dubasilla was second in the Cheltenham Gold Cup back in, in 1995, so we're, uh, 29 years ago now, only one mare, and that was Shattered Love in 2000 and. Um, 19 i think it was has even run in the Cheltenham Gold Cup so i'm on the lookout i'm on the lookout for any mares that might be staying chasers that might be good enough so might i have found one here in due course not this year obviously but maybe down the line
4: yeah listen i i suppose it's something you wouldn't rule out um she definitely has the physique for it and i think she would stay but look um that would going to pro- progress a lot more to be going to that level but um who's to
0: say she could it's a nice thought though isn't it it is <laughs> <laughs> how are those horses doing this morning gavin
4: oh we're okay we're, we're um we're, we're frozen but we've we've got one gallop up and running here so we're, we're not
0: too bad all righty and just a couple more things before i let you go um obviously it looks as though friday's doubtful you had my mate Mozzie in there in the in the lightning what would be the contingency for for Mozzie?
4: Yeah, so look, I suppose the the, the, the Dublin Racing Festival, um, is in the article, and uh, I suppose the Grand Annual would be an obvious. Um, so listen, we're 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 undecided where we go exactly, but I'd say the Grand Annual is a is very much a poss- possibility.
0: Okay, two more things. Um, where's the porter going?
4: Most likely, the National and Chase.
0: Really. Um,
4: yeah, um, yeah, there, and he's still in the, in the stairs.
0: Okay, but most likely the National Hunt chase. Um, and how many entries in the Grand National? Tw- uh, 6th of Feb, closing date?
4: Uh, hopefully about five, I'd say.
0: Okay, so Molina Girl, she'll get an entry? Stumptown will get an entry?
4: Sure. Yeah, they will, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, vanilla Yep,
0: last year's runner-up. How's he coming along?
4: <laughs> yeah, good, happy with him. He's... He's uh he's getting there, mm. um, so um yeah no I'm 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 positive.
0: Where are you going to run him?
4: Um, he might have a run between now and then, but uh, Bobby Joe's um definitely he will definitely be be uh, his last run I'd say before the national.
0: All right, Jane Mangan, that was Gavin Cromwell. Lots to go out there, but I suppose the headline is flooring porter the dual stairs hurdle winner will not go to that race it seems or they will have the option he's favoring the national hunt chase over three miles and six furlongs i think it took me so much by surprise i forgot even to ask him who he was thinking of getting to ride the horse given that it's restricted to amateur riders but there'll be no shortage of volunteers jane
3: i don't know if there'd be too many volunteers for flooring porter um really You'd have to have a great degree of confidence in your riding ability because this fellow would test anyone. I would venture to say he has the stairs hurdle entry in case he doesn't get um, one of the handful of the jockeys that he's going to want. Uh, he's, he's obviously top of the tree would be a Derek O'Connor, a Patrick Mullins. But, you know, Derek O'Connor rides for J.P. McManus. Patrick Mullins is his dad. Um, And then you have Barry O'Neill Who rode, I think he was second for him In the Muir last year On Stumptown, so he would be an obvious one as well Um, And I'm just thinking off the top Of my head, but Flooring Porter is a very difficult Ride, even if he is left-handed We do remember Danny Mullins in the stairs Hurdle after the last hurdle Two hands on one rein So um, he, look, this season has Has been a little bit punctured By that race at Punchestown I don't think Everybody was satisfied with his performance at Leopardstown. I think he's better than that. Um, but we know he loves Cheltenham. We saw what he did in a lesser race in October. We know what he's done over hurdles. And um, he he comes into his own at that track. So it's interesting that they didn't give him a brown advisory entry, but he has the stairs hurdle option if they don't get who they want for their race of choice, really.
0: Uh, are there any young um, amateurs. Are there any up and coming? Who are the stars in the point to point field? You know, real who's the next Derek O'Connor or Jamie Codd? Are there are there ones coming up? There must be.
3: Oh, there are there are, of course. And if I go on naming them now, I'll, I'll I'll miss out on a few. But they're I suppose it's it's a big uh obviously it's a big ride. Any ride at Cheltenham's a big ride, but he is a notoriously difficult ride, but he would have a seriously good chance in it. So you'd like to think that they have uh a good chance of getting one of the experienced guys that they, that they so want. But um again, I was a little bit surprised that that's his only option. So they must be confident that they're going to get somebody that they really want. He's still only a nine year old. Doesn't it seem like he's been around an awful long time after 28 runs in his life. And uh, he's taken to fencing quite well. I think he suits an English fence better than an Irish fence. Um, He, his scope can be stretched at the big tracks, and we saw that at Leperstown a little bit, but at Cheltenham in October he was out in his own, and let's see what he can do. But Gavin well, has the, assembled... the fences. Are,
0: the fences are softer here than they are at the big tracks in Ireland. There's no doubt about that.
3: Yeah, exactly. But Gavin has assembled quite a nice team of younger horses, but this filly is still the stable star.
0: All right, let's talk about some of these mares then. Uh, I know you're very keen on the, the mare that we were talking about, who could go to. Who could go to, to Lingfield on Sunday if it goes ahead only by night? You like her a lot.
3: I do. Um, she's just turned six. And since she joined Gavin Cromwell, she's three from three. She's unbeaten. She had previously won a point to point and had a run for John Joe O'Neill, but she's won a listed bumper at Navan comprehensively. Her maiden hurdle win at Navan in at Nace in December won by 10 lengths in Nace in December. I think she could be very good. And I know connections are staying grounded and they're not getting ahead of themselves and they're not talking about March yet. But if anybody's interested in one for the mayor's novice, only by night's a very good mayor. I'll be very interested to see what she can do next time.
0: It's around two and a half years since uh, bloodstock agent Johnny Hassett was first diagnosed with cancer. He had uh, life-saving treatment in Germany. And during this period he has been incredibly well supported by the racing industry these stories rarely have a conclusion that uh, will warm your heart but this one does i say that obviously with caution as johnny joins me now and wanted to uh, join the podcast this morning for reasons that johnny you're you're going to explain first of all let's talk about the good news and the the what the news that you received on the 21st of december
5: yeah, so the twenty first, I, 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 it had been like science had been good, but on the twenty first December, I got like, I got the all clear, the the very base level circulating cancer cells. Like I'm, I'm free, a hundred percent out. I think a uh, complete remission was was the was the word. So it was, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, I, I felt it was coming, but still, <laughs> it was really good. Um, and it was, I really. I mean, you couldn't. No one can do anything on their own. But uh, when when it when it happened the first time, it was a huge blow, and the response from the industry was unbelievable. It was um, and and totally unexpected. I mean, it it shouldn't have been unexpected looking back. But um, I they apart from financially, which was there was a GoFundMe, which was. Uh, we'll get back to, but uh, like it really put the wind behind my back. I felt, in, in those situations, stress causes cancer, and cancer causes stress, and stress causes cancer, like. And because of, like, I felt psychologically safe. I felt protected. There was this huge feeling of um, camaraderie or something like. They pulled, you know those nature shows were like, there's an elephant, a baby elephant in the middle and like they circle him because uh, the tigers are coming I felt like the guy in the middle, I really did um, and it was it's, our industry is not for the faint of heart, I mean that, that sales ring is not shaped like a coliseum for nothing people take each other on in there people drive each other on in there you can get turned upside down and like farms are lost in there friendships are lost in there But it's like, um, so rugby players or boxers, they, you know, they try and kill each other and then they go for beers after, they hug after the match or whatever. Whereas a guy beats you in tennis or he he nails you a couple of times in chess, you don't even want to shake his hand. Like, there's definitely a kind of... it's a it's an industry full of risk takers and biz takers and but when the chips were down the, I really got well looked after at, at all every level like the the sales companies the big firms put in money people um, people send me pre trainers because I wasn't sure if I was going to buy yearlings to breeze and I had staff I Coolmore sent me a bunch of pre trainers people who I had horses in. Uh, Care or livery, which just kind of wrote off the bills. Like, there's a story of a man working for Sam Curling looking for 100 quid on the Wednesday because he wasn't getting paid on a Friday, so he could put it into the GoFundMe. Like, it was just, uh, I don't think every industry, I know every industry is not like this. And I benefited from it in this regard, in, in this time, but it's a thing that's in our industry, like, and it's a thing, I guess it's good to acknowledge it and I'd like to keep it going. And one of the things that happened, when the GoFundMe was set up, uh, I said, no, I didn't. Just pride, Nick, you know what I mean? I was just, uh, no, no, I'll pay my own bills. For sure. Richard O'Brien frankly said, you know it's for your kids when you die, not you. And I was like, oh, okay. And as it turned out, those medical uh, people... John Osborne from HRI, Clem Murphy from Coolmore, and Mick Murphy, Breeze Up Man. Um, they they're the trustees of the account and they just they, um, not even half of it was used, so I don't have say over the money, but it would be nice to, you know, use that to protect somebody else down the road. We haven't even used fifty percent of it, so and I don't need it anymore. So it's it's nice that that can be put back in. It would be nice if the industry were able to provide protection, kind of, you know, for someone else going forward. Someone else's kids might need it. Mm.
0: They they raised two hundred seventy seven thousand one hundred eighty euros for you, which is a a, a wonderful amount of money. A good bit more than that, oh well, that maybe maybe that's what's still there.
5: Yeah, that's what's still there.
0: Ah. Okay, so so there is still that fund in there. And and you you went to Germany, that's right, because you had to have pioneering treatment in Germany. I I, I won't dress this up, Johnny. When when you were first diagnosed, most people said to me, Well, Johnny Hassett, he's been a lovely guy. I, I certainly wasn't expecting to have this conversation. Yeah,
5: no, it like the first time and if it was just the first time it wouldn't be so the first time it was like How many kids have you? Go home and get your affairs in order. We'll keep you alive as long as you can. And then I went to Germany and went into remission. And then, uh, look, I did a a bunch of things. Uh, And then the following January, I got diagnosed with 15 brain tumours. The stuff in the lungs was back and bigger. And uh, new stuff in the stomach. And uh, the prognosis wasn't good and they weren't giving me long at that stage and um, yeah and then we came up, the guy in Germany came up with a medication and I was just, look I've been incredibly lucky but that, that was the second one that like Phew. and then there was a third kind of a thing where we thought the medication had stopped working and it was kind of like look and we can target the areas with radiation and you know keep you alive as long as we can um so Yeah, it was it was dark. I wasn't the doctors are quite amazed and there's people that are like <laughs> looking at me like, You look really well <laughs> It's like cognitive dissonance. You can see it in their eyes like they weren't expecting me to be back. <laughs> um and I wasn't. You know mm, I don't know. I don't know, Nick. Like, it 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 uh I've just been very lucky and it's I I, I don't. I'm like a guy who sat on the cushion Like, I don't know which one pricked me, but I'm here.
0: And for that, everybody in the industry is incredibly grateful. And I'm not a medic and I'm not a scientist. And people would reject such theories. But uh, clearly, it has something to do with your indomitable spirit and your optimism throughout this. And I know what you really wanted to do, which you've. Yeah, go on.
5: If it was about that. I know a lot of men will still be alive.
0: Well, indeed so, which is why I said I'm not a scientist and people will reject yeah, that theory. Yeah. It, but it's, it's something, isn't it? It's a combination of genetics, luck, um, the health. The,
5: the support is a big part, Nick. I felt protected. I felt safe. Like The industry kind of came around and circled me and I was allowed to be that baby to, like, to focus on my recovery. And that was a big thing, like, that was a big thing to feel protected. It, it, what, the wind was at my back, like, from the go, which everyone doesn't get. Uh, I got something that not everyone gets, like, and that that was a big part in it.
0: Because you need
5: a good oncologist as well.
0: <laughs> it, it, it helps. So thank you to him, her, them, and all of the above, and certainly all the people that, that have looked after you in, in this industry um i know you're probably just taking taking each day as it comes now but I, I you talk about wanting to push this forward use the the money that's left to to build uh something um would this now would this now be an opportunity to maybe ask people to have a little think about how the industry might come together to do that
5: yes definitely like i'm not, I, I i'll have some say while the money was raised in my name Um, it's in a fund that's looked after by those John and Clem and Mick and uh, John Fleming I kind of have to mention John Fleming does all the administration and uh, paid my medical bills or got did the administration get them paid like and uh, those like that's just I don't know it's a thankless job that they did and yeah those guys are going to kind of decide and I will have some input and like yeah Definitely, there would be a call to, for suggestions on what to what to spend it on now.
0: Well, Johnny, I really appreciate you sharing your your story with us. Particularly as on the twenty first of December, it um, it had a a, a a really wonderful wonderful chapter. Um, all the very best, and uh, we will speak again very soon. I hope.
5: Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Have a good morning.
0: All right, that was uh, Johnny Hassett there. And it's wonderful to hear of his recovery. Jane Mangan is with me. I'm sure that will warm the hearts of plenty.
3: Yeah, for sure. And wonderful news. And I hope, you know, his story can inspire a lot of people. He was very honest in the initial interview you did with him probably two years ago now that the the outlook wasn't positive. But he, he managed to keep himself in a positive frame of mind with a lot of help talking about the industry support we've seen examples of that many many times and now with the excess funds that he has uh you know wanting to give it back to the industry and and that's what it is isn't it you know one scratch of another back and that is returned so look we all want to wish that, that the fund wouldn't be needed for somebody in a similar position in the future but we're all not naive enough to know that it is likely to happen and uh look we we have plenty of serious news stories in this podcast we have plenty of negative news stories on this podcast but this is one where we can uh, take a feel-good factor from it and uh, look to the future with the Bloodstock Connection and the Hassett family thinking beyond what was right in front of them
0: um, there was a feel-good story on the podcast yesterday albeit nowhere near as, as fundamental as as that one I don't know if, did you listen to yesterday's podcast
3: I did yeah I did um, <clears throat> I did admire Jimmy's interview. I said uh, he did a good job. I don't this, know about the interview. This, this, is, the, this is the this is the
0: great money. this is the great Jimmy Mangan, your dad and trainer of Spillans Tower. Um, he's quite excited about this horse, isn't he?
3: Yeah, I would disagree with him in saying he's the best horse he's ever trained. I think he's getting a little bit of amnesia because Connor Castle beat Big Zeb in a Grade <laughs> One as a novice. So until um, Spillans Tower goes and does that, I I wouldn't be jumping to conclusions but uh, he's nice now, and... now,
0: he said he said he's the classiest horse he's had it's not quite the same thing is it
3: yeah I'd say I'd say I politely have that debate with dad off air but um
0: but no like I know what he means though so if you if you get if you get a Rolls-royce come into the yard and then you get a you know a fairly decent you know Audi or a BMW or whatever you know you might get 150,000 miles out of the out of the Audi and it might be very very good but the Rolls-Royce is still the Rolls-Royce
3: yeah for sure look i i read somewhere on the racing post where it said that was dad's first grade winner in 11 years and uh, it was obviously because somebody had done the research but a lot of trainers uh, smaller trainers around the country have good horses, but with the understanding that they're either being pre-trained, broken or given time before they go to their bigger and better yards. And uh, like we've had the nice guy here before he won the Albert Bartlett. We had Jungle Boogie in his uh, four-year-old year. Um, Those plenty of good horses came through here and you knew they were good, but you also knew that they weren't yours. You were only um, minding them essentially until they got mature enough to go into the bigger yards. So it's lovely. When this horse came, he came uh, as tower came as an unnamed walk in the park. The day my granddad died two years ago. And my mum and dad were obviously busy doing other things. So I went out to see him and this big raw frame of a big comes off the Martins box. And you're thinking you have a chance, you know, if he has uh, the ability that some of the walk in the parks were showing, you have a chance he has a predominantly flat pedigree so it was very much mixed signals and um, he, they've done a marvellous job. He, he, he's been straightforward and you know when you haven't had results for quite a long time you start um, doubting your ability uh, regardless of what you've achieved in the past and it just goes to show that good horses make it look easy and he seems to have the ability that can now get us excited.
0: Mm. I liked what he was saying about Nothing like a match to to get a horse mentally in the in the right place, and the fact that he's been um, happy enough to give him four runs this season already over fences in good company to to really bring him forward and to just keep a little bit up his sleeve every time. And
3: yeah, dare I say that's an old school practice, you know? Uh, it's okay. yeah, I like it. Just the
0: gate. The game's better. The game's better for it. It's more entertaining. The sport. The sports more fun for that
3: yeah it sometimes frustrates me when dad is like you know we you know go and uh any any particular horse and you know you're working towards the next day and i suppose younger more naive folk like myself are thinking you know every day is the day but like of course they're they're enjoying it and i i know people who say oh mr mcmanus has so many horses and this and that and the other but we are enjoying running him and having him at the races and like even to be in Navin when he ran against Fast Vega and in the pocket and down stable yard And we didn't want to go into early. He's a young horse. There was a big atmosphere there at that day. And we were like, who will we follow into the ring? And I just recognized this horse without a number on him. Oh, that's Fast Vega. Follow him. And then tell when, when Mark Walsh gets on, tell him, follow him. <laughs> you know, even to have a horse that can follow around Fast Vega and, you know, that's for us, we're just admirers of those horses usually, so to, to compete with them and to have a horse good enough to run with them is um, is almost a novelty for us now
4: Yep,
0: that's fine, next year's gold cup, job done <laughs> Well, that you laugh but yeah, it's, stranger things have happened It would be nice Alright, well, next week uh, I will be in Florida not only for the Eclipse Awards but also for the Pegasus World Cup which takes place at Gulfstream Park. And hopefully while I'm there, I will catch up with my next guest because Sean Levy, a classic winning and multiple Group 1 winning rider, is plying his trade in Florida this winter in probably the toughest group of jockeys, certainly anywhere in the United States and and maybe just about all over the world at the moment. Uh, Sean, how are you enjoying it? How have you settled in?
6: No, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, You know, the track's been more than accommodating. Um... I've been riding there from I've been doing track riding from Wednesday onwards, a breeze on the weekend and I've had a few opportunities thus far. I haven't managed to have a winner, but I've been placed in a couple of races and not like thoroughly enjoying it. And as I
0: said, it is a it's a tough group of jockeys. Just remind us who's who's in Florida this winter and who you've got to clamber over to to get a sniff of a decent ride.
6: Look, there's everyone here, there's Tyler, Gracioli's here, Um, Paco Lopez has been doing really well well on the track, you know, through the summer, and he's carried that momentum on, you know, now. Um, Looking forward to the Pegasus, Um, there's obviously the Ortez brothers are here, and then obviously you've got David Egan, who's who's come over recently, and Oshie Murphy's over here as well, and you know... Um, not to mention, you know, a lot more jockeys that are doing really well over here. So the com the competition is definitely right up there. Um oh, I've had a few opportunities for Safi, Joseph Jr., who was champion trainer over here for the last couple of years, and you know, albeit I haven't had a winner yet, um, I haven't been too far away.
0: And do you think the the lifestyle in, in Florida through the winter is gonna set you up better for when you when you get back and, and leave you raring to go for for the for the flat season and and rosalian and co
6: yeah no doubt um look it's it, there's nothing like being in good weather like and the lifestyle over here isn't as demanding as it would be if i was there for the winter um as much as i have to do light weights over here day to day you know it's it's a lot easier as far as the traveling's concerned i haven't had to drive more than five miles um Every day, and that's with that's with working on the track and racing on the track. So, you know, it's not as demanding as home, um, and you have to be a lot fairer to be fair over here. Obviously, to do those light weights and that. So, I, I, I like to think by the time I finished um, my stint over here, it should leave me in good stead going back. Good
0: stuff. And are you getting good reports from from back home, or are people just very angry that you're in 28 degree heat and they're freezing?
6: a mixture of both i've had to kind of dumb down my snapchats that i send back home for everyone to view because you know it's it's a bit difficult for them waking up at minus four every every day to, to to tackle all the two-year-olds and you know the older horses and and then watching me sitting in the sun every other day so like i said i had to dull that down a little bit and um no great news great news coming back from home um horses doing ever so well um two year olds or oh, yearling should be so you know, no, definitely two year olds they're coming on very well as well. Um and obviously with Instagram and whatever have you, I've been I've been def- I've been managing to keep up to date and see how everything's um coming along. So no. Everything's spawned back home. And I'll be seeing them in, in the spring when it gets a bit warmer.
0: All right, and you're uh, gonna stay in Florida till how long?
6: Um, I would imagine like, I only had a ninety day visa for here so um i could push it up until the end of february but to be honest i need to get back for mid-february when um when obviously the the older horses will start doing a little bit more
0: all right that's sean levy in florida and now we're going to enjoy ourselves in hong kong with ja mcgrath
2: nick i know this is the hong kong beat But it would be remiss of me not to mention how sad and disappointed most people in racing in Asia feel about the closure of Macau. The curtain comes down at the Taipa complex on April the 1st. In racing terms, Macau was always the poor cousin to Hong Kong. But many Hong Kong punters loved hopping on the jet foil and heading over to the one-time Portuguese territory for a couple of days R&R. And that included trying to back a few winners at the racetrack. The first racing took place there in 1981. It was trotting, harness racing. It carried on for 7 or 8 years, but the locals never really took to trotting. Eventually Stanley Ho the casino tycoon persuaded the government they needed the gallops, horse racing as we know it, and the Macau Jockey Club was born. Now we're preparing to give it the last rites. The reason I touch on Macau's demise is that Racing officials and administrators worldwide should take note how close we in racing are to the slippery slope these days. In the most unexpected places, Singapore, to a lesser extent Macau, and also in certain locations in America, racing has lost its luster. It's in danger of becoming unfashionable, uncool, and that's both dangerous and worrying. If there are lessons to take on board, I believe, dialogue with the government – ongoing and detailed, must be a priority. Always. Enough of the politics. There are eight races at Happy Valley in Hong Kong today, and the jockey to follow is Andrea Azzini, who settled in well to his new home. He's only a step away from forcing his way into the top three in the jockey's list. Currently he lies in joint fifth position with 21 winners, and that's a pretty good performance. His best ride, the best of six rides at Happy Valley today, is in race six. Number two, Beauty Infinity. Having only his third start, this is a four-year-old gelding by Toronado and looks like a real prospect. Only in class four at the moment, but will climb much higher with John size as his trainer. He's up six pounds for a last start course and distance winner, and I see no reason why he won't go in again. So race six number two beauty infinity to beat number 10 super eagle and later on in race seven uh, an old favorite of ours number 12 m unicorn trained by casper founds ridden by vincent Ho. this is the horse who gave uh, ryan moore a win in the uh, international jockeys championship back in december He's a horse who I think is deserving another chance. He didn't have much luck last time with fourth. So race seven, number 12 M Unicorn and take that in a tote swinger with number nine star contact. That's all on the Hong Kong Beat this week. I'll have more for you next week.
0: Okay, thanks for the croc. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thanks to Jane Mangan who is here with a tip for us.
3: Today, 6.30, Kempton, all weather, uh, not unusually. We're going to have to go on to the flat, and it is a maiden. I like the look of Secret Attack, who cost 125000 from the breeze-ups. He's running in the colours of ammo racing for George Bowie. It might be his maiden, and he might be a gelding, but with a good draw and two, I think he'll take beating in the 6.30 at Kempton.
0: All right, Jane, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Wednesday, January the 17th. Bye for now.